Well, again, it's good to get to worship together, thanks to our team and our volunteers, and it's good to look into the truth of God's Word. Last weekend, we began a brand new message series in the book of Galatians, and we're walking chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Last weekend, we looked at the first 10 or so verses of Galatians chapter 1, and we were reminded that true freedom uh, doesn't come through the things that we often think it might come through. And we were reminded that, you know, we, in our attempt to find happiness and freedom, we go after things like secularism, everything that the world has to offer in the world system, and, and we were reminded that true freedom doesn't come through secularism, and that true freedom does not even come through religion, although we somehow might think that by proving ourselves to God and, you know, doing all the right things, that that's what will lead to real freedom in reality, religion can just become more and more enslaving. It does, it's not that there isn't such a thing as good religion. In fact, the book of James says pure and faultless religion is this. It's to, to serve the widows and the orphans. But when, but when man-made religion gets in the way of the real relationship that God created for us to have with Jesus, it doesn't lead to real freedom. And we also were reminded last weekend that real freedom doesn't come by just making everybody happy. We somehow think that by uh, you know, appeasing everybody around us, we'll finally be happy and we'll be free. And in reality, like Proverbs says, fearing people or pleasing people, it's a trap. And we'll, we'll never be able to please everybody all the time. And so it doesn't lead to real freedom. And we were reminded last weekend that the promise of the gospel is this, that God's grace and his mercy... That's what leads to peace and true freedom. And we, we kind of played with some equations last weekend, and we were reminded that it's Jesus plus nothing equals freedom. It's all about Jesus. He's the only one that can free us. The book of Galatians says it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so this weekend, we're going to dive into uh, the second half of chapter one of the book of Galatians and just barely tiptoe into chapter 2 together, and I'd like to just read our core teaching passage for us this morning. And if you don't have a Bible, um, I want to encourage you. We, we have a few extras in the Bible racks. We're getting more. They're on order. Um, or you can open up your smartphone and follow along that way as well. Um, these verses right now, at least, are not going to be on the screen. i just like to read them for us. And so let's take in what Paul wrote to the Galatians in Galatians chapter uh, 1, beginning in verse 11. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message that I preach is not based on human reasoning. I received my message from no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, Paul says, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how violently I persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. And then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. And when this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and I later returned to the city of Damascus. Then, three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter, and I stayed uh, with him. Oops. 
for 15 days. The, the, other, uh, the only other apostle that I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. And I declare before God that what I am writing to you is not a lie. After that, I, I went north into the province of Syria and Cilicia. And still, the Christians in the churches in Judea, they didn't know about me personally. All they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith that he tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas, and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. And while I was there, I met privately with those considered to be the leaders of the church, and I shared with them the message that I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that they were in agreement for fear that all of my efforts had been wasted and I had been running the race for nothing. So in, in Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 11 and following, what we see is really kind of two things happening simultaneously in the life of the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the Galatians. Probably uh, this was a group of people that he had um, come in contact with, that he had shared faith with. Uh, he had helped plant churches in the region of Galatia. And now he's writing back to them. And he's, he's reviewing his life change story. And I love the way Tim Keller puts it. It's like he, uh, the God is revealing Christ to Paul so that he could reveal Christ through Paul. What, what we just read about, Christ, Paul talks about how God had worked in his life and how Jesus had revealed himself to him. And all of a sudden, Paul realized that the gospel, the good news about Jesus, even though he was very religious all of his life, the good news about Jesus was for him. It was to Paul. But then he quickly describes how he went to go and share his faith with other people. He realized that the gospel wasn't just for him, but it was to be shared through him. And that's the same truth in your life and mine, that the gospel, the good news of what God has done for us through his son Jesus, sending him into this world and dying on a cross and then rising from the grave, that this good news of forgiveness and hope and where real freedom is found it's for us, but it's also meant to be shared through us. And so I want us to take a few minutes to really think about this idea of it being for us through the lens of Paul's life, because this was all new to Paul. Remember, he said, I used to persecute the, the followers of Jesus, and then all of a sudden something happened, something radically changed in his life. So back at the, at the beginning of what we just read, he says, uh, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that this, this gospel message that I preach, he says, it's not based on mere human reasoning. And this was so true. I mean, all of the religious ideas of that day and that Paul had been following had become so humanized. I mean, just, hey, make sure the good outweighs the bad in your life and do good things to appease God and, and do good things to appear well before other people. That's all human reasoning, and, and Paul's saying, but this, this new gospel, this, this news about what Jesus has done for us, this doesn't fly with basic human understanding. In other words, he was saying, uh, if we just try to reason in our own human minds, 
This may not make sense. I mean, think about it. If the God of the universe who loves his creation saw his creation in deep trouble, sinfulness and waywardness and, and uh, um, causing a mess in the world, and, and that God said, man, I'm going to send a savior to the world, what do we think that that savior would be like? What do we think that that savior would look like, right? <laughs> I mean, it'd be like, yeah. Somebody like Captain America, I mean, strong and stout and, and able and coming into the rescue, right? But remember, Paul says, I want you to know that the gospel, this, is, this is, isn't from mere human understanding because the Savior that, that God sent, he wasn't a superhero, he was a supernatural hero. He was a hero of a whole other kind. He was unsuspected. He was surprising. This Jesus that's born as a little baby in a manger, like we just celebrated at Christmas time, that doesn't make sense, does it? Who would live most of his life, I mean, 30 years of his life, mostly in obscurity, and then come onto the scene and, and start preaching and teaching and healing, and people clung to his Words and yet the Bible says there was nothing about him that, that was attractive or that drew people in except for the truth that he, that he spoke, the words that he said, the life change that he would bring. It didn't make sense. And then it, didn't, it certainly did not make sense, especially to the Jewish people that were looking for a Messiah, a Savior, who were looking for their own Captain America when Jesus would predict and say that he was going to suffer and that he was going to die, that he was going to give his life away like a hero doesn't surrender. But Jesus did because there was a much higher purpose and calling. He had to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And, and this, this gospel that is for us and that was for Paul, Paul could hardly believe it. It didn't make sense. He, he continues to write in verses 13 to 14. And remember, he's writing to mostly a Jewish audience. He says, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion? He says, how violently I persecuted God's church. He's like, none of this makes sense. <laughs> you guys didn't expect this from me. He says, I did my best to destroy the church, these followers of Jesus. And, and then he says, I was far ahead of my fellow Jews in my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. Paul's saying, listen, oh, I was really, really religious. But Paul had come to realize that he was very, very far from the heart of God. He was seemingly doing all the right things, and yet he had not discovered real freedom. The, the, the law and the rules had become a heavy weight and burden to him and to so many people. They hadn't discovered real freedom, and Paul hadn't realized real freedom in, until he came into a relationship with Jesus. And he says, he says, you know what I was like? You ever had to say that to somebody? Or maybe you're like, yeah, I'm worried because they do know what I was like, <laughs> Right? Paul's pointing to the life change. He couldn't believe that, that, that God would send a Savior for him. After all he had done, how far he had gotten off track, how, how much he had kind of missed the boat of real truth and faith. 
But then in verse 15, he says, but. And this little conjunction, it's such a small word, and yet it's, it's, it's huge. It's enormous because of what Paul is about to say next. Like he's saying, listen, you know who I was. You know the way I was going. You know what it was all about for me. But, but. One, one pastor says, this is one of those buts. It's like the doctor said I have cancer, but it can be treated. Or it's one of these buts like we got into a car accident, but nobody got hurt. Or better yet, Michigan beat Purdue in the Big Ten Championship, but <laughs> lost to TCU in the biggest upset in college football playoff history. It's a big old butt, okay? It's a big old butt in the Bible. There's several of them throughout the scriptures. And what does Paul say? He says, listen, you know who I was, but, but even before I was born, he says, God chose me and he called me by his marvelous grace. Paul realized this gospel that I've been going against all my life it's actually for me. He realized that even when he didn't understand God's purpose for his life, that God did still have a purpose for his life. That the gospel is for us, that God has a plan for your life and my life, a plan first and foremost to know him in a personal way, to experience God's love and grace and mercy and the freedom that's found in Jesus do you know that? Do you know that God has a purpose for your life? Do you know that the gospel's for you? I remember, you know, I grew up in church, and, and uh, I grew up singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. I grew up in church hearing about Easter, and I knew that Jesus died on the cross. I just didn't ever know that Jesus died on the cross for me because I was a sinner, because I was broken, because I'd never be able to do enough good things to get to God someday. And I remember at 17 coming to faith in Jesus and going to really my first Easter service. And it's just like it all clicked. Like this is for me. This is for us. This is for you. And Paul had that, that realization on the road to Damascus, and Jesus shows up to him and says, Paul, you've been going the wrong way your whole life, and you're, you're persecuting me and my people. And Paul, in that moment, realizes he, what he has been going against all his life is the very thing that he needs the absolute most. The gospel is for us. And he couldn't believe it when he writes to Timothy. He says, listen, this is a trustworthy saying and everybody should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I'm the worst of them all. <laughs> Paul like, was like, you have no idea how bad I was and all the things that I did. And maybe you're here and you're like, Todd, you have no idea how bad I was or how bad I am or the things that I thought or the things that I've done. And I want you to know if that's you, you are not outside of the reach of Jesus. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, it is for you. And you don't have to be a horrible, wicked person like Paul that was persecuting Christians, having people killed. Listen, we all fall short. I mean, you know, we, we could say, well, Paul, I mean, he mur I mean, he had people murdered. I, at least I haven't done that. And yet Jesus' teaching is that the, the things that we think and the things that come out of, our, out of our mouth towards other people is just as bad as murder. 
We're all guilty. We're all hopeless. And yet Jesus came for you and for me. The gospel is for us, and Paul realized that. But he also realized that the gospel is meant to be shared through us. You see, even though the gospel, the good news of Jesus is for us, it's not only about us. And this was striking to the Jewish audience of the day because they thought everything that God was about and everything that God did was all about them, God's chosen people. And yet what Paul recognized and what Paul was kind of the instigator of by God's spirit was to say, no, 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 this is not just for them, it's for everyone. And so it's through us, it's through us. So, so Paul goes on. He says, Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that. Are you catching this? He says, Listen, Jesus was revealed to me. The gospel is for me so that. There's a greater purpose. He says, So that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles, so that I would share Jesus with other people. The purpose of us coming into a relationship with Jesus is not just to get to heaven someday. It's to radically change our lives and then to become those that share this good news so that everybody can know, so that everybody can hear. It's why we exist as a church. It's why we say every weekend we're here to help people move one step closer to God and each other through Jesus. And that's not just the purpose of the church or this building or the people on the stage. It's our purpose together. If we've come into a relationship with Jesus, he's calling us to share that with others. Now, that's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy to stand for Jesus. You never know what the outcome may be, how people may respond. And it makes me think of a situation just a couple weeks ago, tragic situation, in the midst of the Buffalo Bills game, Monday Night Football, and, and, and uh, DeMar Hamlin, he's tragically injured. And I mean, it's like the whole, the whole country... It felt like it just stopped, and it, man, it paused, and it paused to pray, and one, one commentator, Dan Orlowski, on ESPN, on NFL Live, because he had experienced the gospel in his own life, took the moment to share that gospel with the entire world that was watching. Let's take a minute, just watch. Heard it all day, like thoughts and prayers. And you just heard Sheriff and Jonathan Allen say, like, all we can do is pray for him. And it's just on my heart that I want to pray for It him. is. DeMar Hamlin, right, right, right now. God, we come to you in these moments that we don't understand, that are hard, uh, because we believe that your God and coming to you and praying to you um, has impact. We're, we're sad, we're angry. Um, and we want answers, but some things are unanswerable. We just want to pray, truly come to you and pray for strength for Damar, for healing for Damar, for comfort for Damar, to be with his family, to give them peace. If we didn't believe that prayer didn't work, we wouldn't ask this of you, God. I believe in prayer. We believe in prayer. We lift up Damar Hamlin's name in your name. Amen. 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 Don't you love it? Like, that's just boldness. That's courageousness. That, that, I don't think that was a planned thing. <laughs> I mean, you hear him in the, in, in the interviews saying, you know, I, everybody's saying we should pray, and I, I, I just want to do, I guess I just want to do that right now. <laughs> he, 
You see, he realized that the gospel was for him, but he realized that the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the power of prayer, that it's for everybody. And he was courageous enough to speak the name of Jesus, to, to call out to God in a forum like that. I, mean, I don't know if that's ever, anything like that has ever happened. But it's a reminder of how important, how, I mean, how life-altering, how death and life importance Jesus is and the hope of the gospel. It's for us, but it's meant to be shared through us. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, he realizes that, and he, his life has changed, and immediately he wants to start sharing it with other people. And what we see in, in the text is, it says, after that visit, I went north to the provinces of Syria and Cilicia, and still the churches in Christ and Judea, they didn't know me personally. All they knew, he says, was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching to us. I just love that. Like, there was such radical life change, and people were like, wait a second, isn't that the guy that used to come after people and arrest people and have them put in jail and have them in prison and have them killed for their faith? And now he's the preacher? He's the one speaking about this Jesus that he used to go against? And he says, and the very, uh, in verse 24, it says, and they praise God for me. And it wasn't like he was, Paul, Paul was like, oh man, they just praising God, you know, because of who I am. No, what they were praising God for was that he wasn't there to kill them or put them in prison anymore. What they were praising God for was life change. They could not believe it. And Paul couldn't hardly believe it in his own life as well. You see, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, it's for us. And it's meant to be shared through us. And our lives should be the greatest argument for the existence of Jesus. And, and you don't have to be an Apostle Paul who was you know, so bad that he was having people arrested and, and having people murdered for their faith, for people to pick up on the life change. Listen, when we start moving away from self-centered living to sacrificial living, people will start to notice. The message of the gospel will start to be lived out in and through our lives, not just by our words. This isn't just about talking about Jesus in the, work, in the break room or something. This is about living faith on a daily basis. Listen, people will start to notice when we move from, from prideful attitudes to humil humility and humble acts of service. People will start to, to notice when we move from selfish gain to loving and putting other people's needs first. And this isn't just like a do-good thing. It's because of what Jesus has done in us and he wants to continue to do through us. You guys, we have such an incredible opportunity as a church family, as followers of Jesus. And we live out here on this peninsula and there are thousands and thousands of people. And they don't know it, but they're in the same serious situation that DeMar Hamlin was in. They just don't even know it. And we have the answer to hope and freedom and eternal life. So we are not done. And Jesus is not finished with his church. 
and he's not finished in your life or in my life. He has a plan. That gospel, he, he wants to continue to change you and I through Jesus Christ. And then he wants us to have the courage to live it out, to share it, to step out in faith, to be an influence in lives of other people because it's how he's chosen to work in our world, in and through his people. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for your incredible grace for the Apostle Paul and for me, for us. God, thank you that before we were born, you had a purpose for our lives. You want us to know you in a personal way. If there's anybody here that's never really understood that, that has never realized that this good news of Jesus is not just a a Bible that's on a rack. It's not just a saying. It's not just a religion. It's not just a church. It is a powerful truth that is for us. And as we turn to you and confess our sins, we can find forgiveness and freedom. God, would you give somebody today the courage to realize that and to call out to you. And God, for all the rest of us that have experienced your love and grace, we've stepped into a relationship by faith with you. God, would you send us out of this place. Help us to first and foremost love you and then live it out with our friends, our family, our coworkers, our neighbors, our classmates. Your gospel is for us, but it's not just for us. It's for everyone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.